Welcome back, everybody, to the second, of our, the second hour of In the Locker Room with uh, myself and Max Starks and, of course, the ninjas who are always in and about doing their work. And we are fortunate at this time to welcome into the locker room my good friend, Steel City Insider's Jim Wexel, with everything, of course, the author about everything with hair, which would be the great Troy Palomalo book. <laughs> but uh, I, I can't help it, Wex. I love the book. The book is fabulous. And it's... Uh, Again, you know, seeing seeing Troy this past weekend, um, I got to tell you something. I was a little bit amazed because in all my years of being around the Steelers and everything else, I've never heard anybody get more ovation than, than Joe Green. But Troy gave him a run for his money there, I think. The, 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 the stadium was rocking, and they were greatly appreciative of Troy being there. Well, it's good that they read the book before they uh, <laughs> the appreciation, right? There That's you go. Why. That's why. I, I was talking to Bill Batavio, who who is in the media, who doubled as a security guard. He said he, he was escorting Troy somewhere, and he said, man, Troy, I love that book. DeFabio thinks it's the best football book ever written. I don't know how I fooled him with that. I think it's okay. but I think know, it's a great book, said, brother. That is a great book. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Uh, but uh, DeFabio said to Troy, man, I really liked uh, that book about you. And Troy said, Mr. Wexel did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's high praise coming from Troy. That really I is know. high praise. I know. <laughs> man, that would make me yeah. blush. That's that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, I hope people buy the book if because the hardback, I think, is a um, – couldn't be a collector's item. Yep. Uh, somebody's going to take this over and make it into a uh, paperback. And but this this hardcover, we have like four thousand left, and you know they'll go this Christmas. And you think how it, well it was put together. You know the the quality of that book. It's it, it should be a heavy book as it is, and uh, it belongs in a kid's bookcase. It, oh it, yeah. It should be a pillar. It should be a pillar. I, I love biographies because I want to learn how great people did it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, I, I really wanted to dig in and write this one well. And I, I as, as much as, you, you know, people say, well, is it a kid's book? No, I want kids to read it. There's, there's enough swearing in there to satisfy the saltiest adults. You know, Joey Porter's quoted, you know, <laughs> yeah. so... <laughs> So, uh, but it's not a kid's book, and it's not, of course, some of the salty language in a football locker room is not going to ruin a young lad. Uh, I think the lessons learned and and what Troy just, not that Troy taught, it's just what Troy did, how he did everything. And so that's the part I love about it, and hopefully it lives on. I remember when uh, Troy's wife called, I sent uh, a foundation check and a uh, book to the pull them all the family and thank them for their help. And Theodora called me back and I said, well, how do you guys like it? Uh, you know, does Troy like it? Does he, does it bother him having this shrine to himself in his <laughs> home? 
And they go, we don't know. P- uh, Paisios commandeered it and hasn't let anyone else read it. So. <laughs> and that's what I like. You know, a 12 year old boy. That's 12 year olds are smart enough to uh, read smart stuff. And this is uh, all good stuff. And I'm sure Troy never told Paisios, his son, about some of his exploits on the field. It's just not what Troy would do. So this, this boy's reading this stuff for the first time, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Anyway, well, anyway, well, anyway, thank well, you for well, letting me talk about it. Yeah. No, no, yeah. and, and and Jim, I mean, it's a tremendous book. Uh, you know, it's it's head and shoulders above the competition out there. Okay, Thanks, oh, head and shoulders. I, 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 oh, I oh, did you get it? Oh, 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 gotcha, oh, gotcha. oh that bow, was bow, excellent. Bow. <laughs> it was, but I really liked it. it. I, I but, really it, like but it, but it was I, true. I was thinking it was heartfelt. Let me say, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. L- listen, Jim, I, I, I am, I am a double book owner of yours. Um, so yeah, I have Steeler okay. Nation. Is I'm actually looking at it right now on my bookshelf. I have that one. So you know, having Palomalo and also you know because I think the cool thing is is that you know from my perspective you forget moments, right? You forget moments. Um, and this book helps bring back some of those moments, right? You can relive those in your mind, even though you were there live on the sidelines in the game and a lot of those moments, but you know, you, some of them, some of them kind of, you know, get filed away in your, in your memory banks. And this is a great way. It kind of brings back a lot of those memories, you know, and you know, I've been blessed to know Troy since I was, shoot since i was a, a kid trying to decide what college i wanted to go to mm. uh when him mm. and carson palmer were roommates at usc so I, I i knew him before he actually started dating theodora and i knew theodora separately from troy so you know so th- wow. this book is th- this book is is special because you know it's one of my good friends and yeah. you know and he's such a tremendous human being that you capture just really the essence of what Troy is and what we were so selfishly, you know, allowed to be a part (laughs) of and experience in our lives, you know, things that, you know, because Troy is just one of those unique humans. Um, He's salt of the earth, but he also does not talk about, you know, his, his own exploits. So to have you dig in and to pull that, extract that from him, um, I think is pretty special just because he, he will always shy away from comments and compliments. That's true. Um, he, never, he never seeks attention. He never wants to be praised about things. But, you know, and that's why it's always overwhelming for him. You know, like you said, like seeing him in the stadium and getting the ovation that he got. And, you know, and, and seeing the bust next to him and then receiving his ring. You know, those are things that he's always shied away from. So for him to be in the spotlight in that moment, and then to have this book about him, and of course, I'm sure he he's also, you know, fifty fifty on. Oh my God, my son's reading this book about me. Well, I can tell you one thing that you get. Thank we, you, Max. Yes, Thank that was welcome. very eloquent, Max. And you know, the thing about it is, you talk about memories. One of the memories that seems to be a bit distasteful to Mike Tomlin. <laughs> would be the fact that I guess he communicated with New York and uh, he got an explanation, but his Mike Tomlin said, I didn't get clarity. Jim, can we make any sense out of what occurred Sunday night? No, I, I, I want Mike to give us some clarity. Give us, give us, you know, you know, here's, here's my issue with all of that. 
And we can go through it step by step if you want. I have many questions about the play, but all the the play was all made moot by their a desire to replay this and to get in a replay, they have to do it before the next snap. And that's the fatal flaw of this of this rule at the end of a game. Right. And, you know, for Mike to complain about this and then not explain to us about the flaw in the rule when he's on the rules committee is not – I don't think it's doing all of us any justice in our own clarification – our own understanding of, of why the rule is is a flaw, is flawed. You should be able in the final 15 seconds to um, let that clock run, let this offense figure it out, let them get the ball spotted properly and get the snap off without moving. Mm-hmm. Now the the NFL is ex- and, and that's all hard to do. And if you wait to see if they do it, you might run out of time and the snap. Therefore, you can't go back and review. There should be an exception made. There should be an exception made for the end to see if this offense can do all that's required. It's not easy. You guys are linemen. You know running up there like that with a backup quarterback and not moving and getting the ball off and snapping it to spike it is a challenge in itself. It is. And and they should be forced – to prove that they can do that at the end of the game because they put themselves in that position by Metcalf not going out of bounds. Yeah, you know that's true. Uh, and, and killing the clock. What was he thinking? But he left one on the floor. And uh, for one, uh, Trey Norwood should have dove on the, the recoverer and yeah. covered him up for at least a <laughs> second or two. Butler admitted that he told Norwood to do that. And I'm thinking Butler's getting get in trouble from his boss for saying that they have told Norwood to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, see, no Mike, trade secrets given out, right? Well, yeah, Mike came over right after Butler's little press conference and like, what did he tell you guys? Butler's like, I didn't tell him nothing, boss. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I hope you don't get in trouble for that because that was a nice little insight. And then Mike provided zero insight. Mike, why is, it, why is this not allowed to be talked about? Just the end, not the opinions of what he thought happened. I think that's all moot because this law, this rule has been, if it hasn't already affected an end of game in this way, it, it, it's bound to, it has to be addressed. So that, those are my feelings. I, you know, the, the, the guy who recovered the fumble spotted the ball and ran up and set it down. Max was talking I, about this earlier. You're right. Exactly. But, but then the, what is that? The umpire, he stepped in and touched the ball and said, and blessed yeah. it. Like, that's okay. Yeah. You go with that spot. Yeah. See, the NFL, their explanations are saying that that's okay. Is it? It's no, kind of weird. No, it's okay, not. and the other thing, they said when the snap was imminent, we blew the whistle. That's what they're, they're saying uh, they didn't need. They, they knew there would be no flinching by the Seattle offensive line. Uh, they, they, they were so sure that the snap was imminent and going to be in time that they called for the replay. That's what they're leaning on, their explanation, Steratore's explanation to a couple other media guys. And it sounds like an NFL explanation. I don't know how you can tell that that snap was imminent, that (laughs) that they were going to do that properly. So luckily it didn't bite the Steelers, but that rule really needs fixed. No, absolutely, Jim. And that was something that I was harping on, you know, 
on the sidelines, up in the headsets, and then, of course, as we talked on Monday, rehashing it because uh, it was still fresh since, you know, obviously I didn't get out of the stadium until 1.30 a.m., uh, <laughs> and I can't imagine how much later you guys got out. Um, so, so you know, it was one of those where I was like, th- this was the most weird, awkward replay that, you know, time should have time should have expired. Time should have expired uh, on that play because – DK Metcalf made the mortal sin. He did not step out of bounds to kill the clock. Mm. And right. the, the sequence of time, especially with that fumble and recovery, time should have expired before they were able to get that snap off because he should not he should not have been able to spot it. The referee still needs to p- physically pick the ball up and put it back down to set it and then make sure that, that his alignment is right with the side judge. And none of that happened. So it was almost like they were trying to cover up their their failed attempt, like you said, the ump just touching the ball and blessing it, you know, as though it was Sunday confessional, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. You know, and then just just trusting it. Side judge running up to line up with that said ball, as opposed to marking the spot that he saw with his own two eyes, and whether it was off or not. Because more often than I'm ga- I'm guaranteeing you, it did not line up perfectly with where it was, and that's where the side judge adjustment is, and that's why the umpire has to pick the ball up and look to see where the side judge is and then set the ball based off of his, off of his bird dogging it, you know? And so that, that, it right. was just, yeah, so I, it, was, it was a lot of a lot of words, but not a lot was said. What, there's one other thing, and I, I, I forgot about the side judge. That's a fifth problem I have with the play. But one other yeah. thing, what was, what was Russell Wilson doing on the field? I mean, that's true too. Earlier that's in another game, one. Earlier, earlier in the game, there was another guy ran on the field in his street clothes, and he was in jail. <laughs> yeah, I want to know true. why well, Russell Wilson's not in jail because Russell didn't have the wig in his hand. That's the difference. <laughs> Russell did not run out there with the wig. He had no additional accoutrements with him. <laughs> but I will say this. I was looking for James Harrison when the first dude ran out on the field because I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is body slam number two coming up. <laughs> yeah. He was up in the suites. He couldn't get down fast enough. The elevator was blocked. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Wex, before we run out of time here, I want to get your opinion. What do you, what do you think's going on with Stefan Tuitt? Because all we're getting from – Mike, is that he's on the IR and he's rehabbing and it's progressing. And it's been this way for a while. Is that coach speak for something else? Or what do you think? Uh, I don't I don't think he believes he owes anyone an explanation. And, you know, a lot of times, and, and this is HIPAA-related, uh, and maybe you can tell me if, if it's better for a, opponents not to know where your injury is, if that's a good thing, then maybe that's what he's doing. But – this is a guy that makes an awful lot of money. Right. And everybody's been patient. Everybody understands. But, for instance, uh, when my father was killed in a car accident and my mother was lying in the hospital near death, I played my pal basketball game that night. Mm-hmm. Everybody passed me the ball all night long. And I had a career-high 10 points. But, uh, you know, everybody's going to start having stories like this. Now, uh, talk to us. Is this is this guy hurt, or is he still grieving? I, I think I, I guess he doesn't think we are owed an explanation, and maybe we're not. But it's now it's by time. The run defense is just in tatters, apparently, and this guy would help. And there's no real explanation for why this highly paid player, who's young and healthy, is not playing. 
and you guys may feel differently, but it's about time to get on with this, Stefan. And if you can't physically, I think there should be an explanation. I really do. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised by it myself. Max, you got anything to say about that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you hate to harp on it and you're like, hey, we got to deal with what we got to deal with. But, yeah, it's it's one of those where, you know, you like the referees, you wish you had clarity on it. Um, and, but, I mean, unfortunately, it is what it is, right? I mean, and you kind of have to move with who you have. Uh, and that's just yeah, it's, it's, it's a frustration on my part. Well, you know, we're going to have to leave it at that, guys. We're up against the break. But, yeah. Wax, thank you so much for jumping in. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, and Always uh, good talking to you, guys. Oh, always good, man. All right, we'll talk to you thank next you. week. Okay, we'll be okay. back with more right here in the locker room after this. Oh, you're going to take me home tonight. Oh, down beside that red firelight. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Now, if you were watching the Seattle game, all right, and you saw in the fourth quarter, Ben Roethlisberger did a, you know, a pump fake, but the ball popped out, but he was still making a throw in motion, like, you know, when the ball slipped away. And it's like, it was, to me, it was like, he just, it's like spiking the ball. You know, I mean, and, yeah. and so they go through this long replay, which, you know, you think about it. They had the replay coming up at the end of the game, but this one's in the fourth quarter. It showed all different angles. It just showed that he just looked like he spiked it. He lost control. He dropped the ball, but it was like a spike. But they told him, they said, well, even though ball was going forward, my arm was going backwards. And he goes, so I had to ask, Ben says, I had to ask Josh Dobbs, uh, who happens to be an aerospace engineer, how that works. And Dobbs, you know, he said, um, well, it's impossible. It's not possible to, to have your arm going backwards while the ball is going forwards. And I, I got to agree. I'm like going, what's so hard to figure out about that? You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 and listen, listen, you, you take it from a kid who, who who's studying that aeronautical engineering. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> How many times have we said, Max, we've, I've never, there's not a lot of rocket scientists in that locker room, right? But we got one. We got in the rocket scientist. Yes, we have one. Exa- exactly. We have one resident guy. We have our own uh, uh expert in in, <laughs> in those and and especially when you're talking about force dynamics i mean are you going to argue him on that one right like the 
you must go backwards before it can go forward <laughs> to create that momentum. I mean, unless, unless when you took it and the ball slipped out of your hand, because it was slick, right? Right. Ball slips out of your hand and the ball goes forward. That's the only way that it could, but there's no force behind it. And that would be more so a drop than a pass right. or a spike. It's, I mean, granted, now, if you drop a nail on the ground, it's still a nail, right? If it lands nail side down, it sticks. Right. But, uh, no, more often than not, it's not. It's just going to fall down. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the situation was. I don't understand. Well, you know, I mean, there's the whole replay thing going on. It's just a little bit crazy, but, you know, so be it. All right, let's get to the phones, 412-919-1316. I believe we got CR in Chicago. CR, are you locked up with your Charleston connection? Are you there with Juan? Hello, CR. Are you there, buddy? Hello. 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 There you are. Hey, what's going on, buddy? How you doing this morning, man? We're doing good. How are you? And how's Juan? Is Juan on with you? Oh yeah. Hey, Juan. That's what. That's why it took a second. You had to hit the three-way connection. You got to hit the three-way call button. (laughs) (laughs) So. Hey guys, it's, it's been a while since we talked to you. We, we we've been in there every day, but uh, you know, due to complications and the whatnot, we, we don't get to you. But CR, you, you were know. we missed you yesterday, but you were on the day before. Okay, it's yeah, not been exactly. that long. It's only yeah, been twenty four oh, hours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's man. okay, brother. It's okay. <laughs> you don't know what it's, you don't know what it's like not being with you guys twenty four hours. <laughs> all I know is my uh, wife doesn't mind it at all. <laughs> I was about to say my wife would say different. <laughs> yeah, she don't mind when, it, when when you know you she get out the door, get out the house. That's what she says to me, man. Yeah. Hey, what you got going on? I let Juan go first. What hey, you got? Right, so yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, um, you guys were talking about the play with Ben with that fumble. Um, they they explained explain it on TV. They said the top of the ball was um, headed to the ground. That's why they called it a fumble, they said. That's silly. The, um, that's a spike. Yeah. A spike goes to the tip of the ball goes to the ground, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that's the whole point of a, of a spike. <laughs> a spike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And also, um, we had a little history on Sunday night. Ebron is the first tight end to get a rushing touchdown in Steeler history. So, think, hope, hope he can keep up the, think about this, Juan. Good work. Eric Ebron had his five career carries for minus six yards, but three TDs. You know, that's it's an interesting compilation of statistics there. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, that's a lot that, that that's a lot of positivity with, with mixed in with negativity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, yeah, I know. Hey guys, I, I want to talk about the uh, uh a total of 15 key missed tackles that could have made this a blowout game for the, for Pittsburgh. In the in the first quarter there was three missed tackles on one play. The second quarter there was two missed tackles on one play. The third quarter was a total of nine missed tackles on four different plays. And in the fourth quarter, there was uh, one missed tackle on one play. And uh, so I sent you guys a, a clip to your, to, your, um, to, your, to your addresses there. So if you get a chance to look at it, check it out. Uh, what do you think about all those missed tackles? Well, obviously, that is verboten. You know, I mean, that's something we were talking about the other day. You know, you've got to come uh, back to getting your, your technical work done. you got to bring your feet. you got to bring your hands. you got to bring your shoulders and your head. That's how it comes. Feet, 
uh, hands, head. That's how you've got to be able to do it. You can't lead with your head. You've got to make sure your feet put you in position to be able to wrap up. And they weren't doing it. And that's simply a lack of, of being attentive to the details of the fundamentals. Mike is always talking about dotting the I's, crossing the T's of your fundamental work, be it in the offensive line, defensive line, tackling, you know, catching the ball, you know, all, all sorts of stuff is all about making sure that you dot the I's, cross the T's. Yeah, I mean, one yeah. of the biggest issues is, you know, and, and this was something that's not a surprise to us. Right. Because the preseason, we saw it, um, that there was poor perimeter tackling. Uh, we saw it definitely all the way up until this point. Uh, the only difference was it didn't bite us in the first half because we were up 14 zip and we had some key we had some key knockaways on third downs that got Seattle off the field. Well, the problem was we never addressed that issue and – the way that practices are set up, you can't really tackle um, in practice anymore. So those opportunities to be in shoulder pads, to be in game-like speed are few and far between. So now it's you have to do self-study, right? you got to go hit the dummies in the corner. you right. gotta, you got to actually work <laughs> on squaring yourself up. Yeah, exactly. So that shuffling is really important. Instead of just instead of just jumping out a guy and hoping for the right. best, uh, you know, is what I'm getting to. All right. Yeah. What, what you got, Warren? Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. Yeah. You was talking about the key third down plays. How about Trey Noah? Those couple of plays he made. What you guys think about him? He's going to see the field anymore. You guys think? He's he's seeing the field a lot. You yeah, know, he's, he's got plenty. a lot of yeah. He's one of the highest ranked uh, you know scoring rookies according to Pro Football Focus. Um, he's done very well, but that that one play when he sacked uh when he dropped uh, the receiver for a loss DJ on the Metcalf, screen yeah. who was that was that swain Metcalf. or was that was that Mac- no, no, it was swain. no it was swain it was swain, it was swain late in the game in the fourth no, no, quarter no behind the line of scrimmage behind he the line, hit metcalf yeah. he hit metcalf uh after metcalf had like a two or three it was it was a terrific play look i'll yeah. tell you this trey norwood is surpassing expectations he's doing a job you know, okay, well, we we're gonna have to roll well, here. And he's got fifty percent. He's played fifty percent of the defensive snaps so far this is season. Is he really? So he's, yeah, and uh, James Pierre is at sixty percent. So they're getting plenty okay. of burn in the game. Yeah. All right, fellas, okay, we got to roll. So, so for me and Juan, in the meantime, in between time, here we go, Steelers. Here we go. All right, guys, we'll talk to you probably tomorrow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you. Yeah. Okay, folks, we'll be back with more. But this I will say, Trey Norwood is definitely playing at a high level. And, and you know what? He's exceeded expectations. No, he he, he absolutely has. He, he Like that, that trio, Millette, Norwood, and Pierre, all three of those young guys are giving us valuable good snaps job. in this season. So they're doing a good job. So all right, we'll be back with the final wrap-up right here in the locker room.
you know, Trey's been part of a group, man, that, that has provided big-time versatility for us, man. We, you know, we've been working hard to, you know, sign a division of labor there at the early portions of the season. You know, Mike Hilton was a significant guy in some of that stuff here, and, 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 and so um, we got a bunch of guys doing a bunch of things. He's a part of that group. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Well, the final bell lap right here in the locker room as Max and I get prepared to shut down the show. And, of course, we are being inspired by Ninja Jacob, who has got some of the greatest music rolling today. And, of course, Max, you're just continuing the dance flow, man. You're just well, loving look, look, it, aren't you? Listen. I, I am a lover of music, so I mean, that's that's one of the things you have to understand about me, Wolf. I have a deep mental catalog, and and especially when you when you cross paths and you put on some Chuck Berry. I mean, how do you right. how do you not dance to some good old Chuck Berry? That's the reason for the song. He wrote the song to get the toes a tapping and the feet a moving, and so why would I behest myself and not answer that request that he humbly makes by making that music? So. I am always a toe tapper. I, I love I love listening to music. Um, you know, especially when I'm doing my work in my office. Right. You know, and and it's you got to let it roll, man. My life. You got you got to let it roll. And, and you know, like I say, you got to have that soundtrack of life, right? I mean, there's songs that take you back to certain moments. You remember those moments based off of the music you were listening to. And so I just I just that 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 Johnny B. Good reminds me of my granddad. Oh yeah, <laughs> Max Starks Jr. Uh, since I'm the fourth. <laughs> And I just remember he he would sit down there listening to Chuck Berry down down in the back of uh the you know our our family business uh the funeral business you know my my great grandparents their house was was above mm-hmm. um the actual business so you know late at night you know my grandpa he'd be sitting in the back you know ha- have his have his whatever selected beverage was right and he play and he play some Chuck Berry just be sitting in the back <laughs> so you know those it's like the, those those songs just trigger moments for you. And you know that that that's what life is all about, right? You know, music is made to lighten the soul. Love it. You know, one of the fondest memories I have of of Chuck Berry, and there was actually two of them. I saw a video. Chuck Berry played in London with Bruce Springsteen and brought the house down. I mean, the, it was one of those you know fifty five, sixty thousand uh, stadium deals. You know, uh, with, yeah. with Boss, and he brings out Chuck Berry, and Chuck just tore the place down. And then the other one is. You got to look back to the future, right? Oh yeah. When, when, oh yeah. The, when, the uh, under the sea dance. The under the sea dance. Exactly. <laughs> when he gets up there and he starts playing Chuck Berry, and then then, yeah. then he turns and he goes, "Your kids are gonna love it." <laughs> yeah. I thought that was exactly. tremendous. That was true. And then like Ch- Chuck's Be- Chuck Berry's brother, quote unquote, is like on the sides, like Chuck, you you've been looking for that new sound. Well, yeah. here it cousin is. Cousin Marvin. His cousin, yes. Yeah, his cousin Jacob's Marvin. Got yeah. it. Jacob's all over it. It was cousin Marvin. This is the sound you've been waiting for, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. That was so good. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, all right. So here we are, just wrapping it up here in the locker room. And one of the last things just we're talking about off the air was, you know, the fact that you know, Robert Spillane is getting some work in the dime, which seems kind of different than what uh, Joe Schobert was brought in for, what Devin Bush was brought in for. The unicorn, uh, you know, Joe Schobert, the, 
uh, the guy who can cover and run and so forth. And Robert Splain, who we, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Robert Splain's. I mean, just happened to be, that's, you know, no, no doubt about it. A big fan of Devin Bush and Joe Schobert as well. Um, the fact is, it's surprising that, you know, everybody was screaming about Spillane's lack, of, you know, of ability to cover. And yet, if you're in the dime, you know, I understand you know, they're probably trying to take advantage of his run-stopping capabilities because we know this dude can come uh, with a downhill bang and get it done. But, we, you know, Butsy also talked about, you know, that he does some things better than both Devin and Joe, and Joe and Devin do some things better than each other and Splane. So they're trying to highlight the best aspects. And one of them, I always thought that when 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 Spillane's got leverage and help in in both the rush and in coverage, he is he, he gets the job done underneath, in the underneath areas. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, you know, a fancy way of saying, yeah, we have three backers to fill two positions because it's not your traditional, right? Usually if you're the starting backer um, in base Oki, right. um, one of the two that are your inside backers is going to be good enough to play nickel and dime. Mm-hmm. And so what they're doing is, bringing Spillane in and giving him kind of his own package, so to speak, to get him on the field, kind of honor him. Because, I mean, let's face it, last year he did the yeoman's work, right? When Devin Bush went out, he came in and filled in nicely, him and Vince Williams. So you want to still give him those shots and give him those opportunities. And in the dime, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility there (laughs) in the dime. But like you said, you're not covering the wide receiver. You're not covering the slot. If you're in zone, he has an area, and he's really good at controlling and manning his area, and I think that's kind of one of the things you see, whereas Devin, you know, is more attacking downhill but can run when given man responsibilities. And Joe is kind of your your polymorph, right? He, 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 can, he can do it all. A polymorph? A yeah, yeah, it, it, don't worry. Just, <laughs> I'm just learning all kinds uh, of new yeah, words yeah, with you, buddy. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the show is about, you know, learning something new when you yes. leave. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so he he can kind of morph into different roles within the defense. So he's kind of a do it all type of guy, fill you know, plug and fill. But guys that do things really exceptionally well, you want to highlight those, and I think that's what we're trying to get uh, with Splane. Because I pointed that earlier, you know, on the broadcast when we were talking, I was like, hey, Splane's a dime backer. Splane's right, a dime right, backer. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, you you're exactly correct, and it, you know, yeah. it just kind of takes you by surprise, going, wait a minute. You know, this is not what uh, we were being told earlier. And I, again, happy to be ever since, you know, last year he comes on and he's, it's a great story. Undrafted guy comes out, battles his way onto the squad, survives, you know, through the practice squad process and all that gets on on the roster. And again, he goes into uh, Tennessee last year and he makes one of the most fabulous downhill hits I've ever seen in my life when he drops Derrick yeah. Henry behind the line of scrimmage. And I'm telling you what, as I've said before, in the Valhalla Hall of great linebacker hits, the, 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 that hit there will be sung of by the women. All right? They will sing yeah. of his great, great you know, play on that, that play. That was Because truly, I'm telling you, you put up Lambert, Ham, Buckkiss, all these guys, that hit was worthy to be you know, of, spoken of the same way with those guys. It was that good. But, you yeah, know, regardless, you still have to be able to cover. You still got to cover. You still yeah. got to cover because the linebacker role requires more than just hiddling. Uh, I just said hiddling. I meant <laughs> hitting. A new word. Uh, hitting and tackling. Sorry. Hiddling and covering. 
<laughs> yeah, hit, hiddling and covering, but also huddling with the, with the hiddling. Um, <laughs> but I mean, but it also shows a lot that he gets the other green dot, right? Because, right. It's true. You know, Schobert has has the green dot in most other situations, and Spillane also has a green dot. So that's that's a kudos to him carrying that as well. Well, you know, I think uh, that's probably you know worthy of a little more examination. I think we'll be back in the locker room with a little bit of more of that tomorrow. Got to watch some more of that film. I want to understand what it was with missed tackles and and being able to to rectify the situation from the third quarter to the fourth quarter. And it's you know that's that's the human element, my friend. Yeah, and that's also the the byproduct of having a bye week to where we can focus on watching the game. <laughs> there you go, bingo, baby. <laughs> You're right on. All right, Max. I'll see you here tomorrow, my friend. All right, see you tomorrow. And bud. for all the people out there, we'll see you here in the locker room tomorrow.